Maybe you share an apartment with friends. Maybe you're newly married and enjoying that season of life. Maybe you're married with children who live at home. Maybe your children have moved out and now your house is full of grandchildren. Anyone like that? Uh, Maybe you share your home with three dogs, three cats, or a room full of snakes. Where's Troy? (laughs) I don't know why you would. I watched True Story this week and it freaked me out. I have to talk to Troy about that later. I don't think it's true. Good, good, good. Thank you. I'm so glad about that. So no matter what your home looks like, we all have a responsibility, don't we, to establish a healthy culture, create a right atmosphere in our home. So, so last week, Clive, who's over here, defined responsibility is our response to our ability. I like that definition. So God gave Steve and I the ability to own a home, which we're very grateful for. So we have a responsibility to look after that home. More importantly, to look after the people who live in that home. So hands up if you own a home, whether you own it or the bank owns it. Eventually you own it. Apparently there are roughly 25 million refugees worldwide right now which means they've fled from their home and they're looking for a home. So if we have a home, we're really blessed, aren't we? So never take that for granted. You have a safe place, a roof over your head. So really this morning, I want to talk about my home, my opportunity, my home, my privilege. Because I have a home, you have a home. So we have an opportunity and a privilege, don't we? So would you like to know a few things about my home? Some, some people do, that's good. Alrighty, well, first of all, I'm married to Stephen John Ollie. Would you like to put the next slide up? Thanks, Mary. Oh. <laughs> Look at that hair. <laughs> I just need to say this, it was the 90s, okay? We were going through these photos a couple of days ago and Christopher was going, it's so 90s, mum. I'm like, well, of course it is. We're married in the 90s. This is what happens. So uh, in Steve's defense, I need to say this to you, honey. It's not a mullet, okay? For those of you who are thinking, no, it's not a mullet. I can tell you, Timmy, it's definitely not a mullet. My husband has never had a mullet. Ah, Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Let's go to the next one. We had a bit of fun there. I didn't plan this shot, by the way. <laughs> but uh, we had so much fun on our wedding day. It was, it was fun, wasn't it? So uh, you can leave that slide up for a minute. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just fun. Here's the thing about Steve. When I met Steve, I didn't feel any romantic attraction to him at the time. That came later. But I can say honestly that I really respected Steve. And I think Aretha got it right, R-E-S-P-C-T. Find out what it means to me. And um, later on, when I became a Christian, which was actually after I met Steve, I think he prayed me into the kingdom. Um, The Bible says in Peter that as wives, we should love and respect our husbands. And uh, that was easy for me because I already respected Steve. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? I certainly didn't expect to date him or marry him. He, uh, He wasn't really like the guy I was looking for on my list. Um, But he was actually better than that, so I threw my list out because God knows better, right? Has anyone got a list? If you've got a list, girls, just make sure God writes your list because he knows what's best. 
and Steve was my best, and I'm the best for him too. Just throw that in while I've got the microphone. So we've been living in our beautiful house. It will be beautiful one day. It's getting there in uh, Springwood for 25 years. Let's flick to the next slide. And we have two handsome world changers in our sons, Joshua and Christopher. So that's Joshua on the left. He's a mechatronics engineer, which is a fancy word. I'm just looking at his grin. He hates having photos taken. So I have no idea how he got this one. I must have bribed him. So Josh is a mechatronics engineer, which is a fancy word for saying he gets to uh, play with robots all day. He's actually paid to do what he loves to do, which is really cool. From when he was little, he used to love that show, Robot Wars. Does anyone know about that show? I used to watch it and think, what's with this? And now he gets paid to make robots. It's so awesome. That's a God thing, honestly, it is. And then young Christopher, he's 21, he's doing cinematography. Well, he wants to be a cinematographer. He's studying communications at WSU. Uh, he's very funny. He's kind of like into slapstick. If you, uh, he watches you walking and then he can imitate you. It's amazing. So uh, if you've got a funny walk, don't walk in front of Chris because <laughs> a couple of days ago he was imitating Bill and Ben, the flowerpot men, the whole puppet thing. I can't do it. It's very funny. He has so many words in him, seriously. He's like the man with the most words I've ever met except for Ben Sattler. <laughs> you, and, you and Chris should have a competition to see who runs out of words first. Like seriously, it's good that Steve doesn't talk much because Christopher, oh my goodness. I think he gets it from me. And uh, Chris is sometimes very messy, often very messy, and he's all things creative. And I love my boys. And then the next slide... Oh, for the cat lovers, all three of you. <laughs> this is Sebastian, our 18-year-old brown Burmese. Isn't he beautiful? I love him. He is so affectionate. So, quick footnote. Our house is not perfect. I know it's a surprise to you. We're not perfect, but I <laughs> know it's surprising, isn't it? But we've learned to lean on Jesus. He is perfect and his grace is enough, right? His grace is enough in our house. So this morning I want to inspire and empower you that if you have a house, you have an opportunity to change your world. You might be raising world changers. Your kids can be world changers. Steve and I fully believe our kids will be world changers. Not because they're anything particularly different or special, but because we believe in them and God believes in them. So we are raising world changers. And we could be entertaining strangers. The Bible talks about this. You could, you could invite someone home. could be an angel. Who knows? You may never know. And your home is a place where God can change you, which is the most powerful thing of all. So my first point is this, and it's really not rocket science. It's very simple. Build your home around God. Let God be the center of your home. We go to the next slide. Thanks, Mary. So I often think of, of God being like a fireplace. That's why I use this image. And in the olden days, homes were built around a fireplace. It was a place of warmth. It was a place where they warmed up water for their bath. Imagine that, not having modern day plumbing. It was the hub and the centre. And God is the centre of our world, isn't he? If you make him the centre of your home, 
He's a source of, of warmth, of comfort, of light, of hope, of protection. So my encouragement to you is build your home around God. And it's a choice. We can choose to do that. We can choose to have him at the center or we can let him be a peripheral. You know, you've got your computer, you've got your main computer, your laptop, whatever it is, and then you've got your peripherals. They're the things that you plug in, the add-ons. We can do that with God. It's our choice. We can choose to let him be central to our lives or we can just kind of go, there's my life and then there's God, add-on. But if you do that, you'll miss out. So I encourage you to put him first. So uh, these next few scriptures are key scriptures for Steve and I. They're things that we used in raising our kids. They're key scriptures that we've lived with. So uh, the first one is this, Matthew 6.33. I know you know this one well. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So what Jesus is saying here is you don't have to run after things. Have you found that to be true? You don't have to run after things. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. If you put Jesus first, he'll look after all that stuff. Have you found that to be true? So in our time, how we use our time, you put God first, guess what? You'll always have enough time for everything else. If you let God be first in your use of resources, you won't run out of resources. How about that? If you put God first in your use of gifts, as Clive encouraged us last week, then God will use those gifts and they'll grow. It's the same principle. Put God first in everything. We've never gone without food on our table. Things were pretty lean for a while. For many years, we were single income earners and single income house. And uh, I remember counting the money to see if we could go to McDonald's. (laughs) For Mother's Day, do you remember that? But here's the thing, we never went without. Because God doesn't let you, if you put him first, you'll always have enough. And we did get to go to Magnus that day. (laughs) Just in case you were wondering, the kids had, uh, what is it called? Happy Meals, thank you. (laughs) No, you're not familiar. It's, uh, It's been a while since a Happy Meal has fed young Christopher. He needs like two Angus burgers now. But, um, yeah, so uh, if you just want to flick up the next slide. I don't know if you can see that very well. Is it cute? I was just thinking it's the simple things in life. It's not expensive to take your kid to a fair, let them get their face painted, although Josh hated having his face painted. He was like, don't touch my face. They do have helium balloons, which you can't quite see. It's the simple things in life. You don't need a lot to look after your kids. You don't have to be a millionaire. They were happy with balloons and face painting, sort of. (laughs) Yeah, so let God be the centre of your life. Put him first. Another key scripture is the next one. Thanks, Mary. Joshua 24, 15. So the context of this scripture is that Joshua is actually, he's gathered the people. It's the last chapter of, of Joshua, and it's like his last words to them. And he says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. 
Here's the bit that I love. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, if you put God first, you can never lose. Isn't that true? So I guess I think that we are faced with the same choice today. We have those same gods around us. The God of this age, I think he calls me. You serve the God of that age, me. That's like a never-ending vortex you get sucked into. You'll never feel joy in that. How about the God of money? I love what Tim Blackman said the other day. He's a relentless taskmaster. You can't win if you serve that God. How about the God of the house and mortgage? It's okay to have a house and mortgage. There's nothing wrong with that. So long as you own the house and it doesn't own you. Think about that. How about the God of advancement, career and advancement? I can climb that ladder of success. How do I know when I've got to the top? And even when I get to the top, is the view from the top really that better? Like, is it really that much better? Again, there's nothing wrong with ambition, so long as it's not selfish ambition. So Steve and I have always made the decision to put God first, and we've never regretted that. We love being in the house of God. We love being with you guys. And you know what? I got excited earlier because I want to be a cheerleader, not just for the roosters, but for you guys. I want to cheer you on. Steve and I are a little bit older now, not, not, not old enough to be put on the sideline. <laughs> but old enough to be leading the cheerleaders. I'm happy to be a cheerleader. I don't need to be up here. In fact, I would love to encourage you to do all that you're called to do. And if you do all you're called to do, I'll be happy. I'd love to be a cheerleader for you. Put God first. Choose to serve him. How are you going? Good. Another key scripture. This is slide 11. Thanks, Mary. Mary's got like 100 slides in there and she's doing really well. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this. This is so simple, isn't it? Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Ooh, sila. Pause and think about that. So really, the psalmist here is saying, unless God builds your house, you're wasting your time. Wow. That's pretty... uh, Pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's uh, Unless we put God first, unless we let him do it his way, unless we build according to his principles, we're really wasting our time. On the other hand, when God builds, it will last forever. When we build according to his blueprint, it will last. We're looking forward to passing on a legacy to our children, to our grandchildren. I'm speaking prophetically, of course and to the generations coming after. And it starts when we let God build our house. So let's talk about God's love. Obviously, if you're building a house around God, and God is love, then you're building your house around love. So uh, what does God's love look like? What does our relationship with God look like in terms of love? Let's look at 1 John 4, 16. I love this one. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God 
and God in them. And then the next slide, going back to 1 John 4.12. This was a scripture we used on our wedding station. I love this one too. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Isn't that a great scripture, great thought? I remember entering into marriage. We've now been married 26 years and I thought, if I can just love God as best I can, the way that God loves me, then God will come and live in our marriage as he has and his love will may be made complete in us. Isn't that a wonderful thought? God chooses to live inside you. He could live anywhere in the universe and he lives inside you. Wow. Not only that, he chooses to do that and now his love is made complete in you. God doesn't really need us. But in one sense, he chooses to work through us. It's as if his love comes full circle in us. Wow. That's amazing to me. He could do it any way he wants, and yet he chooses to come and live in us. So what does God's love look what does God's love look like? Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 13, which is slide 15, thanks, Mary, says this. Now, you probably know this passage really well, but I love the way it says it in the message. It says, love never gives up. Have you ever felt like giving up at home? (laughs) Love cares more for others than for self. Here's a good one. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Ooh, It's very quiet in here now. Love doesn't strut. Let's talk about that first one. Love never gives up. If God's love is the motivator in my life, then I will never give up on my marriage. Now, I'm not talking about a marriage where there's abuse or so on, but I know that God put Steve and I together. And so not every day has been a wonderful day. There have been hard days. But we make a choice, don't we? If, if I love as God loves, if that's my heart, then I choose to never give up. You won't give up on your kids. You know, you might be thinking, what, when are they finally going to learn how to walk? When are they finally going to learn how to clean their room? That one may never happen, just saying. But we won't give up on them, will we? Because love never gives up. Love never gives up. How about that thought, love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't envy what the guy or the girl next door has, but enjoys what's in his own backyard. Let's talk about social media. I love Instagram as much as you do. I love the visuals, but Instagram bombards me with all the images of things that I don't have. Have you noticed that? There's that house I don't have because my house doesn't look like that first house. There's that car I don't have. There's that boeuf bourguignon that we're not having for dinner. There's that beautiful manicured garden with the roses and the green, green, green lawn. House is brown and snappy when you walk on it right now. So we can be encouraged. We can almost be frazzled by those things, can't we? We can look at them and go, that's not my life. That's not what I have. But what if I chose, like Paul says, to be content with what I do have? What if I chose not to want 
what I don't have, but chose to love what I do have? What if I thought, wow, Steve is the man that God gave me, and I'm going to choose to love him, no matter what that looks like? What if I chose to love my kids through the good times and the bad times? What if you did that too? How different would it look? Maybe a little different. Let's go on. Love doesn't have a swelled head. We flick to the next slide, thanks, Mary. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. No one flew off the handle this morning, did they? On the way to uh, church, just looked straight ahead. And if we go to the next slide, love doesn't keep score of the sin of others. Ooh, feel the burn. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. And it puts up with anything. Let's stop for a moment on that first one. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Anyone a scorekeeper? (laughs) When Steve and I were first married, I'm going to confess this. You guys won't tell anyone, will you? I used to uh, sometimes get really, really mad at him. I like so mad. And usually he didn't even know what he'd done wrong. And now sometimes I give him the silent treatment. I know, how immature. (laughs) Terrible. You guys won't tell anyone this. So I'd be sitting in my bedroom, feeling sorry for myself, or slamming cupboard doors in the kitchen. And Steve was probably sitting in the lounge room thinking, I don't know, I've done something wrong. I don't know what it is. But he was probably enjoying the serenity. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I I pretty soon learned that that was incredibly mature and not helpful and certainly not good at communication. We don't do that anymore, do we? And uh, so he doesn't get the serenity anymore. (laughs) We've uh, learned to communicate, to work things out. I can't really stay mad at Steve for very long because A, it's wrong to do it, and B, he's just so lovable. It's really hard to be mad at him. (laughs) So, yeah, love doesn't keep any score of the sins of others what if we let all those things go what if today you cancelled your score and went you know what some people have done some stuff to me at home but I'm just going to let it go and I'm going to give it to God because no one would deal with it better than God anyway when we drag that stuff around the only one that it brings down is me half the time when I'm mad at that person they don't even know about it and the reality is is if I don't forgive The Bible says God doesn't forgive us. Wow. So what am I going to do with that? How about cancelling the score? How about going, God, I give it to you. I'm not going to try and sort it out. I can't sort it out. But you can. What will God do with that? Wow. How good is God? I've lost track of my notes. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. I love that concept. It's like truth is this beautiful flower opening up. How would your life look right now if you're really honest at home? I mean, speaking the truth in love, not just truth without love, that's dangerous. How will your home look if you speak the truth in love? How will you look if you're truthful with yourself? You know, self-knowledge is powerful. What do I need to ask myself? What do I need to change about myself? Where my marriage is a little bit 
dry? What do I need to change? And I'm asking myself this right now. Because if I change that with God, Steve can't change me. I can't change Steve. But God, everyone say, but God, but God can change you if your heart is willing to be changed, if you're willing to be on that potter's wheel going round and round, God can change you. You really can. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love trusts God always, if you go to the next slide, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. I love that thought. Love always looks for the best. It's a great thought, isn't it? Do you know, you find what you're looking for. If you look for good in someone, Dan would know this. If you look for good in someone, you find it, don't you? You find it. We find what we're looking for. It's easy for me to nitpick in Steve. I can find that, and I'm sure I can find that in me. What if I look for the best in him? I'll find that as well. What if you look for the best in your kids? Even on those ratty days when they're teething and they're not sleeping and they're being difficult, find them doing something good and encourage them in that. Because then they'll be like, Mummy, encourage me. Daddy, encourage me. That's cool. Always look for the best. Love always looks for the best. So I finished my first point. (laughs) Build your home around God. I told you I had a lot of words in me. Build your home around God. Let him be the center of it all. I'm just going to wrap up. My second point is this. Teach your children well and they will never forget. Proverbs 22.6, which is the next slide. Thanks, Mary. Start children off on the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not turn from it. This is so true. Even when your kids want to forget what you taught them, they can't. Often my kids are pretty strong-willed, both of them. They'd look at you like they're not listening. And then a few years later, you hear them say something to someone else and you think, I taught them that. And you just think, it doesn't matter. At least they listened. Start children off in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not turn from it. I love the message. It makes it even clearer. Point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. That's good, isn't it? So your children were born with a unique temperament. Every one of them has a unique temperament. It's God-given. It's inborn. It's unchanging. But they also have a, a personality. And that personality is developing over time. The personality is a collection of habits, responses, and ways of thinking that a person uses to navigate life. So there are various theories on when the personality develops, but most people say it's pretty much developed by the time they're seven. So guess who gets to help shape that personality? We do, the parents, the caregivers. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? So I love what Dr. Carolyn Leaf says. She's an uh, internationally renowned Christian neuroscientist. She says, when we teach a child how to think, we teach them how to learn. If a child can think deeply and correctly, they can do anything. I love that thought. They can do anything. I remember if the uh, team wants to come up, I'm almost finished, believe it or not. 
I remember once when Josh was five, he was really sick. He had gastric and uh, he couldn't keep anything down. Sorry for that detail. And uh, <laughs> But I'm a mum. Nothing's off, off limits for me. And um, although we tried everything, we had to take him to Katoomba Hospital because he was really dehydrated. And um, they were brilliant up there. They looked after him so well. He actually thought it was on a holiday. It was hilarious. We were in that swap over. Steve and I both stayed with him, but we only had one car. So we're in that swap over period. We arrived. The nurse was changing his drip. He was five. He was a little guy, and he was so brave. And she asked him, do you know what's in the drip? And Josh said, yep, salts and sugars to make me well. And we thought, how does he know that? He would have interrogated a nurse to ask, ask that question. Josh used to ask a thousand questions a day before Google.com. So uh, if I didn't know the answer, I'd say, ask Dad when he gets home. And um, then the nurse turned to Josh and she asked him this question, what do you want to do with your life when you grow up, Josh? And I don't remember Josh's answer. But I love what she said to him. She said, you could probably do anything you want to do and be anything you want to be. It still makes me emotional when I think about this. In that moment, I felt like God was speaking to us, saying, your kids can do whatever you, whatever God puts in their hearts to do. And they can be whatever God put in their hearts for them to be. And from that moment on, that was our prayer for our kids. So I want to ask you, what do you think God has put in your children's hearts? What are the dreams that he's put in their hearts? Because our job as parents or maybe grandparents is just to point them in the right direction. God's put that dream in their hearts. We point them in the right direction. And it doesn't take long to work out what that dream might be. Watch how they play in the sandpit. Watch what they say is their favourite thing when they come home from school. Maybe their friend fell over and they took them to the uh, sick bay. Maybe they're going to be a nurse. Maybe they love the way the teacher wrote those numbers on the board. They're going to be a brilliant uh, mathematician, an accountant. Maybe they like building things. They're going to be an engineer. God's put dreams in their hearts. And as parents, we have the incredible privilege of pointing them in the right direction. Isn't that amazing? So teach your children the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. And then last of all, fill your house with fun. That's Josh with uh, my mum's dog, Jessie. And uh, Josh looks pretty exhausted because he's probably been running around throwing that stick. You know, life was meant for living, wasn't it? Isn't it? It still is, not wasn't, is. Life is meant for living. And uh, those jobs you have around the home, the vacuuming, have you noticed the vacuuming doesn't go away? Have you noticed those lawns are there waiting to be mowed? The uh, ironing in the ironing basket won't go away unless you subcontract that to the ironing lady. But I want to ask you, what's some fun activity you have planned with your family for the next week, the next month? Because those jobs will be there when you come back. The lawns will still need mowing. The washing will still need doing. The washing always needs doing. It never stops. One day, your kids will move away from home. I forgot to say, Josh moved away to all the way to Penrith. So far. 
in February this year and I didn't cry. He's proud of me, anyone whose kids have uh, moved away. Because he's 25 soon. He needs to spread his wings and fly. One day your kids will move away from home and you won't be thinking, gosh, I wish I'd vacuumed more. I wish I'd, uh, you know, shined the bathroom more. You want to make sure you make the most of every moment that you have with your kids. It's precious. Building memories with them. They're not going to remember that the bathroom is shiny, but they'll remember those beautiful moments you had with your kids. I asked Josh and Chris the other day what their favourite memories were, and it's always about us going away on holidays, going up to Ballina or down south. So pumped we were about to do that again, go on a road trip after Christmas. I'm so looking forward to spending time with my family. Because those jobs, they'll be there when we come back, I guarantee it. Unless you guys are going to come and clean our house while we're gone, which is probably not going to happen. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. But those moments with our family are so precious. So wrapping up my home, my responsibility. God's given you a home. He's given you an opportunity to raise world changes, to make a difference. So this isn't rocket science. Build your home around God. Let him be the centre of it all. Teach your children and they'll never forget. Fill your house with fun. I'd love to uh, pray for you before we finish up this morning. In particular, I want to pray for people this morning. You might feel like home life hasn't been great. But I want to say to you that today is a brand new day. And nothing's impossible for him. Maybe you feel like there's some brokenness at home. There's stuff that's happened that it wasn't your choice. You didn't write the script this way. I want to say to you, God is here right now. His mercies are new every morning. And there's opportunities for God to turn things around. God is a God. Who believes that God is a God of redemption? He's a redeemer. He's a redeemer. There's nothing that's impossible for him. So let me pray for you as we finish up this morning. God, I thank you that you are the God of redemption. Thank you, Lord, that there's nothing impossible for you. Thank you, Father, that we have homes. We're not refugees running, fleeing from our home. We pray for those that are in that circumstance, that you would help them to find a home. And God, right now this morning, I pray for those who feel a sense of brokenness in their home. Lord Jesus, you said you came to bind up the brokenhearted, to pronounce freedom for captives, Lord. Those who feel captive in their own home, I pray you bring them a new sense of joy and freedom. God, I thank you that you've given us homes, safe place over our heads. Lord, help us to make the most of every opportunity. Help us to choose like Paul did, to be content with what we have. We're thankful for what we have. You gave it to us. May we use it to glorify you. May we raise world changes. May we see the world change from the beginning of where we live, from the hub of where we live in our homes. And Lord, I pray for this home, City Church. I pray that we will see lots of babies, lots of uh, new Christians come into this home. Prepare our hearts for that too, God. May they find this place a welcoming home. 
May they walk through these doors and feel like they've come home. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. Thank you for what you're doing right now in City Church. It's beyond anything we could do. We're so grateful for that. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I give my whole life to honor this love by the Lamb who was I'm forgiven the sinner's Savior crown him forever for the Lamb who was great message that was this morning you know I was thinking about you Steve and Felicity and thinking about the whole idea that your faithfulness is flourishing and you know sometimes when you see a tree or something like that the seed is planted there's a whole bunch of time where there's faithfulness happening but you don't see the flourishing you don't see it on the surface you don't see it kind of bubbling over And I look at the season of of life that you're in right now, there's always been faithfulness. But I just really believe there's going to be a season of it just flourishing, coming to the forefront where it's just seen time and time again. And I just thought that was an epic word this morning. Would you put your hands together for Felicity and for Steve? My daughter's rejected me. (laughs) You know, I just want to pray the sinner's prayer. We are a family, but our Heavenly Father is why we gather here on a Sunday. He's why we do all that we do on a Sunday. It's all about relationship with Him. And so right now, I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer, which is starting a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is our doorway, the only way to heaven, the only way to real peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. Let's believe it in our hearts this morning as we realign our lives with our purpose and what we are all about, Jesus Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. For my sins, I'm sorry. I receive your love and I receive your forgiveness. Help me to live for you each day and serve you with all that I am and live for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you for the word we've heard today. 
Lord, I pray that we would take this responsibility on. Our homes are our responsibilities. We go out into our day today. Let's change the atmosphere of our homes by how we love each other. And we allow you to be at the center of our homes today and all that we do. And let it have a huge impact into our community and those that are around and about us as the light of Jesus Christ in us is spread from our families through into our community and beyond. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, church, be blessed. Have an incredible week. Go and grab a coffee with someone. We'd love to see you in church next Sunday or in Connect Groups this week. Be blessed.